everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Brain Talks. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. We've been talking, um, obviously, for the last couple of weeks about COVID-19. Um, and today, we're really pleased to bring you um, really one of the best in the business. Um, we have with us uh, today from Banner Alzheimer's Institute, uh, Lori Neeson. She is integrated in um, the research, the care, um, um, sees many people um, and advises families on care of um, on dementia care. So Lori, it's always great to see you and welcome. Good to see you too, Deborah. I just want to start, um, we're going to talk about creating a caregiving plan for COVID-19, but first I want to talk to you about um, some of the questions you may be getting around this time. I mean, you know, it's really the only mm -hmm. topic that people are talking about right now. Um, what are some of the concerns of uh, families that you're um, advising? You know, I think the concerns are, um, you know, just managing day to day. I mean, I think managing the care of your person with dementia on any given day can be challenging, but certainly with um, the new COVID um, crisis, that becomes more and more of a challenge. Are you with me? So what what are you, I mean, you know, this is an extraordinary time and we've talked um, to people about really the isolation. I mean, it, eating this thing is really just to isolate yourself really and not see a lot of people. Um, so where where do you start? I mean, should everyone just be staying at home? Um, you know, what what's the good, what is a good plan to, where yeah, do we start? You know, I think, I think it depends on your person. So for caregivers who are taking care of somebody at home, that can be a big challenge in itself in that they may have been relying on outside help or an adult program. And now it's just the two of us or three of us at home. And so how do I really manage the day to day, which can be quite a, quite a challenge. So I think really it's about, even though we're home, it's really maintaining a healthy routine. So even though it's easy to want to stay in your pajamas and just kind of hang out on the couch, it's really important for all of us, in particular for the person with dementia, to really remain in a routine. So getting up every day, washing up, showering, whatever it is you do and doing for your person. And then I think um, even in small spaces, trying to create some separation in environments. So, you know, if you can leave the bed for sleeping and then moving into the kitchen and sitting at a table to eat and um, maybe moving into another space like a desk to create some structure and activities. Um, other opportunities, particularly in a small space, would be to reduce clutter because um, clutter and too much stimulation can really um, stress somebody with dementia. It stresses me as well. And then I think moving every day is really important. I don't mean <clears throat> that you have to run a marathon. I mean that depending on what your person's capable of walking around the house, depending on what the restrictions are in your community, walking outside in your garden or on the sidewalk. Um, even if you're at home, um, maybe looking to YouTube or creating some stretching or chair exercises, if you will. And, um, you know, when you get on each other's nerves, which is common for any of us, we're in a closed space all day, all night. Just take a deep breath and allow your person to forget because they will. And that's the beauty of the short-term memory loss. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. You can use it. Um, but 
I have a question. Why yeah. is routine so important for people um, with d dementia? W what is it about routine? I think just really having that structure and as much as I can remember kind of knowing what to expect. So we know that any change in routine, environment, caregiver can be really stressful. So trying to keep things very consistent and routine is going to be really beneficial. The person and you will kind of get into a rhythm, which is really important. And we've we've talked about this in the past, but, you know, the thought of a caregiver getting sick um, themselves mm. is just daunting. I mean, in, in the United States alone, there's over $16 billion of care, uh, um, unpaid care um, for this disease, for dementia. So, you know, I mean, I assume like take care of yourself first is probably at the top of the list too, because the repercussions of the caregiver falling ill, I don't even know if we know how to deal with that. You know, that's a great question. I think you're right. I mean, caregiver wellness is really critical just throughout the journey, um, but especially so with COVID-19. And so um, really making sure that the caregiver is taking care of themselves, and we can talk more about that, is critical. But I'd say a few things you could do to prepare, I think, would be one, making sure that things like advanced directives, healthcare powers of attorney, um, financial powers of attorney are in place. That's really important. If you are the caregiver and you're the power of attorney for your person, making sure that there's a backup person as well is gonna be really helpful. And then I would say too, um, you know, this is a really good idea um, now and at any time is to always have a backup plan. So particularly with COVID-19, our opportunities for backup plans are more limited, but making sure that you have a family member or a close friend that could step in should you become ill and not just think about it, ask the person and get a commitment. And then depending on your community, um, before and after COVID, it's always good to have researched um, a care facility that's going to look that's going to work out for your person. Because if you end up in the hospital now or at any other time, it's always good to have a plan in place. Now those opportunities are certainly more limited, so it would be good for you to check in your area of communities, residential communities. I mean, like assisted living that are available if they have openings and if they're accepting people during this crisis, because. I can speak from my own perspective. My in-laws are in assisted living right now and people are not being let in and out. So you yeah. want to find out what options you may have now. Um, planning ahead is always the best way to go instead of waiting for it to happen. And then you're in a much more compromised position. Yeah, it's, it's a really tricky situation too, because also, um, um, you know, a friend, I was talking to my friend, a uh, close friend of mine the other day, and she has a couple of carers um, looking after her, both of her parents with dementia, and they don't want to, they're, they're in a facility, but now they're saying, I don't want to, I, I, I'm sorry, I, there's an outbreak there. So they're like, I'm not going, I, I can't go to work, you know, I, I, I don't want to be exposed, which you can completely understand, but it, it, it puts huge pressure and dilemma on on families who who are caring um, and looking after their loved ones. Um, so I like the idea of a backup plan. I mean, there, it's never too early to set Plan B. I, I believe. Oh, absolutely! You always should have a Plan B, even in a situation like this. 
And then I think caregivers have challenges too when they're not taking care of their person at home. Maybe they are in assisted living, right? And so now the facility is saying you can't visit and how do you know what's really happening there? And so I say to those family caregivers that really um, inquire about what precautions are being taken to really keep rooms and surfaces um, and hands clean, um, particularly with people with dementia who don't realize or recognize or know that they should be washing their hands. They need to be gently prompted. And if they can't do it themselves, you have to kind of wash your hands with them, if you will. And then in communities where, you know, family members are still caregivers, they're visiting, they're advocating, they've been told they can't visit. And so I say, um, talk with the nursing director or the resident director about arranging time to have a FaceTime or a call with your person. And you may very well need their help, right? Because if it's someone with dementia, they may not be able to use the phone on their own. They may not be able to use an echo or a product that could communicate with them. So you're going to have to rely on and be gentle, but kind of firm with staff in, in setting up time so that you can stay connected to your person. Um, I have experienced myself even window visits with my in-laws who are in assisted living. We can't come in and they can't go out. And so we've arranged visits whereby literally they're sitting in an empty dining room because they don't have congregate dining right now. And we're sitting outside and we're talking on the phone, but at least can see them through the class. It's certainly not optimal, but at least we can lay eyes on each other, which can be reassuring during this really challenging time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the isolation and we've, we've heard from people too saying, you know, I'm feeling really isolated right now. Um, and, you know, and isolation and is, is, is a really bad thing when you have dementia. I mean, it, you have to keep up socializing and, and everything. So I it's, it's so hard for the person with memory loss because they're used to that kind of routine or we were talking about how important routines are and maybe they're used to going to lunch or going to a senior center or going to an adult day program. And now everyone is cooped up and it's incredibly hard for the caregiver as well, right? There's all those feelings of fear and overwhelm and you get short tempered and angry and frustrated. And maybe, you know, this, we don't know how long this pandemic will last. So we could be moving into more sadness and depression for both the person with memory loss, as well as care partners, as yeah. they feel very overwhelmed by the ambiguity um, and the severity of what's happening. So what would you recommend then to people, both caregivers and people um, diagnosed with dementia? What, what would you recommend in, um, in the social aspect of things? I mean, it's a really, it's a really difficult time. I'm, you know, like you mentioned your family, I can see it within my own family. And I'm, I'm yeah. feeling, you know, and a lot of older people are impacted with dementia. And, you know, I mean, my sister and I are scared to death to get around my parents just in case we're carrying it or something. So, you know, we don't want to expose them to anything. So, you know, any any good tricks um, that you're recommending? Yeah. You have? I think that's a great question. It's really two sided. So one, how do you stay connected to your parents who you are who are vulnerable and you don't want to expose yourself to them and, and vice versa? So I'd say you know, keep up with phone calls, FaceTime. I also think that, you know, the art of the letter has been lost. And I think, especially for somebody with dementia who could read, um, reading a letter or a card can be very powerful. And if they can't read, ask again, caregivers to do that for them. And then I think even set up a rotation. I mean, maybe there are many family members who don't call much, who aren't connected to this person, but how hard is it for them to send a letter or a card once a week so that this person is at least getting material and information from them. 
And then I think the second part of your question is really, what do you do with all this free time? And, you know, I'm saying structure your time. Well, how do you do that? And so I'd say there's a lot of things you can do that are really simple. So things like if you are cleaning your home and it's important to be really um, uh, attending to cleanliness even more so in hygiene now, right? So they could be helping you with um, folding clean towels or the person with memory loss could be helping you wipe down countertops. Um, and then we could be doing some things together that could even relax both of us. Um, things like listening to soothing music or taking some deep breaths um, I, I have done um, relaxation groups for folks in the moderate and beyond um, Alzheimer's um, stage. And I've had many people who can still close their eyes and listen to their breath and take a deep breath in and let it out slowly. That can be really healing for both people. And then I think even simple things like looking through a picture book, um, an old photo album, pictures on an iPad could be really soothing if you're sitting together during the day. Um, doing some adult coloring could be useful for both people. Um, and if you are able to be outside, even if it's just on your property, getting outside every day is really critical. Yeah. Just feeling yeah. the sunshine, even if you have to put a heavy coat on, feeling the sunshine or the cool air, um, I think is really helpful for all of us to just get out and be in nature in some way, shape or form. Maybe you're feeding some birds or maybe you're just looking at some scenery or maybe you're just walking in the small space you have, but really taking advantage of getting outdoors, if at all possible, I think that can be really healthy. I think that's all incredibly good advice. And, you know, I love what you say about the photos. Um, my brother-in-law put together one of these um, picture frames, electronic picture frames, where it just changes the photos of all of us um, so that, you know, and, and it was well received at home. So, um, you know, I love that idea. And it's interesting too, because the longer term memory is usually still intact. So they can connect with photos of from 20 years ago or so. Yes. And that's such a great technique, the one you suggested, because the person with dementia doesn't even have to do anything. It can yeah. be on and just rotating. Um, so I think that's a great idea. People who don't have something like that can even set up their um, computer to do that um, when it's in um, you know, screen mode. It can just be rotating pictures. So that's a great idea. Lori, thank you so much. I mean, all of this advice is so practical. I love what you said about breathing, which is just a form of meditation, right? Which is good for all of us, actually, especially yeah. at a time now, like now. Absolutely. I think, you know, we all get um, a lot of angst, anxiety, fear. These are very unknown circumstances. But I think as human beings and as caregivers, um, how we manage this situation is really important, right? So there's a lot of ambiguity in life. We don't recognize it always. We know, and you know well, Deborah, that there's a lot of ambiguity with dementia, right? You don't know what's coming next. This is a disease where there's lots of grief and losses. And I think the epidemic and the pandemic is the same, right? We have a lot of unknowns and a lot of fear. And we don't know exactly what's coming in the future. One day we're being told that it's okay to walk around in a grocery store as long as you're six or 12 feet away from somebody, but you don't need a mask. And then you wake up in the morning like today, and now we're being told by the CDC and others that it is a good idea to wear a mask, even if you're not sick, because there may be, you may have, um, you may be asymptomatic, but be carrying the virus. So it's easy to get incredibly anxious. And so I think what we all want to do is really quiet the mind. So I think 
Remaining calm and as present as we can is really critical during this moment, as it has been for you and you've coped and managed other crises. Um, so it's, it's good to remind yourself to take a step back. When you feel overwhelmed and you're at your computer or you're with your person and they seem frustrated and you seem frustrated, take a deep breath and just look out the window. Um, really breathe and encourage your person to breathe with you. And then I'd say, despite this period of time where we feel so isolated and so disconnected, it's important to stay connected to other people and use some compassion here. Know that your situation is really tough, but there are people out there who probably have it tougher than you. And there are some people who maybe have it easier than you. So try to use some compassion to get outside yourself, um, reestablish communications. I, I honestly have been talking to people and friends and family on the phone that I haven't in years. Yeah. We've gotten so yeah. focused on our technology, people don't talk anymore. Yeah, true. So talking, yeah, talking on the phone can be really helpful. Setting up a fa FaceTime visit um, or a Zoom visit with multiple family members can be helpful. Absolutely. And then I think just, yeah, just asking yourself, how can I make this day better for me? And then really think about that. And how can I maybe make this day better for my person. And I then I think that, yeah. it's always good to just pat yourself on the back and cut yourself some slack because these are really challenging times and it's really easy to be self-critical and to be angry and frustrated. So direct some of that compassion to yourself and recognize that these are really difficult times. You are doing the very best you can. Um, you are resilient. You've been through many challenges in your life when you look back. Um, and you'll get through this challenge. Um, Absolutely. And I, and I love what you say, and, and it applies to everyone too. Um, this, you know, I, I, I told you that I'm under a 14 day quarantine because I've come back to Hong Kong and um, I, my friend set up just a virtual um, glass of wine for me and we all met and just talking to my friends, it helps so much, you know? So mm -hmm. I love what you say. It's like, you don't have to be isolated. You can stay engaged. Zoom is a great, great, great tool. If, if people don't have it, it's just amazing because you can meet with a lot of people at one time. Um, and it, it really does help. I mean, a hundred percent. So yeah, and there are so many ways to do it. I mean, Zoom, FaceTime. I just learned about a new app that my friend set up a similar uh, get together, my friends in Chicago and me in, in Arizona. And we met through an app that's free called House Party. I've, I heard so of that, actually. There's lots of ways yeah. to, to use technology to your benefit. And I think um, just learning to be comfortable with uncertainty and ambiguity is really important, right? Because we all face a lot of stressful situations and we can't control dementia. We cannot control the coronavirus, but we can control how we respond to that. And when you remember that, it can be really empowering. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Lori. This is like some really sound advice. Um, Banner, I can't say enough about Banner's Alzheimer's Institute. It's really integrated um, with the research, seeing patients care, um, family care, which, which Lori oversees. Um, so it, you've given us some great advice. I'm really grateful. And I know you have a lot of materials from Banner. Where do people go if they want to explore yes. um, more? And thanks for sharing that. We actually have had to adapt our, in our own way in space. So most of our support groups, and we have lots of support groups um, all over the Phoenix area, 
are in person, but we've moved to virtual means. So check out our website, banneralz.org. Um, we have lots of support groups that are now virtual. We also next week are going to be doing our first class on April 7th called Living with Uncertainty and Caring for Somebody with Dementia During the COVID Crisis. And we're going to do that virtually. And then there are a lot of great other organizations if you're, you know, across the globe. I mean, the Alzheimer's Society, for example, has lots of great tools. Um, the uh, Alzheimer's Foundation of America is doing some virtual programming for people with dementia online. And then the Alzheimer's Association, of course, has that 24 hour helpline anywhere you are. So definitely reach out for help and get support too as a caregiver. This time is no different than any other time. So make sure you're talking to your one, your good friend once a week or you're getting on an online support group so that you're getting your needs met. Because as you were saying earlier, if you don't take care of yourself, you certainly can't take care of somebody else. And I know it sounds trite, but it's very true. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lori. It's always good to see you. Thank you. Um, it's, wonderful for to see you. It's, it's wonderful to be with you. And, and I wish that you and all of your viewers stay well during this challenging time. Thank you so much. And so for more on these talks, you know, we'll post Lori's talk on beingpatient.com. Um, if you haven't already done so, please sign up for our newsletter on our homepage um, to get um, alerts about these type of talks. And we always um, repost them. We're going to um, put them in print as well um, in Q&A format. Um, so don't forget uh, to visit our website. But thanks very much for watching.